to the almost new and approved HIC Talk Radio. We have one more, one more piece of the puzzle that Craig's going to get soon. And we're both, not that he doesn't look gorgeous now, he doesn't need this piece of equipment to look gorgeous, but we're going to be, we're both going to look so gorgeous coming up soon. You know it. Uh, welcome to HIC Talk Radio. As I said, Craig Lagans, follow him at Craig Lagans. Follow me at DanLaw83. I have a, I have a, uh, as you said, opening statements, monologue, the soliloquy, but I like monologue opening statements, statements uh, better to start this episode off, which will kick us off into the conversation that we were going to have in the first place about one Grizzly Smith. Mm-hmm. Thank, God, thank God there's only one Grizzly Smith. Oh, thank God there shouldn't have, somebody <laughs> should have shot that guy, but uh, neither here nor there. We'll discuss that in a second. So it occurred to me watching i didn't watch the fight but mayweather floyd mayweather fought um fuckface mcgee whatever the hell his name is yeah uh, from youtube hey congratulations for you know getting a an empire i wish i could do half of what you if i had half of what that you do dad you'd never see me again as far as i believe i would leave i would never come back um but you know, the fight was going on, and uh, it occurred to me watching the fight. Like, let's call it. No, I know his name's Logan Paul. I was being sarcastic because I don't give a shit. Right. <laughs> I don't like this person. And until was, he started fighting uh, real fighters, I had no idea, no idea who or what a Logan Paul was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Logan Paul is the brother or the brother of or the guy that made jokes of the suicide forest in uh, mm-hmm. Japan because he's a piece of garbage. Um, but. Uh, I meant it disrespectfully. He can kiss my big yes, ass. That's exactly. <laughs> um, let's just let's just throw this out here. Uh, I'm very vocal about who I think are bad people in wrestling because deep down, I want wrestling to be better. Yes, I do. I really do. I do love professional wrestling, and I want it to be legitimately better because the last hundred years, I'll just fairly say, the last hundred years of letting terrible people do terrible things or terrible people covering up other terrible people, a hundred years has gone on long enough. Yeah. In my opinion, in many others' opinion. Now, when I say everybody, of course, not everybody, there are a lot of people who are actively putting their necks and their bodies and their well-being on the line past the wrestling ring that are actually trying to make it better. Uh, to name a few, Chris Kazama, who we've had on the show uh, many times and we'll have on the show again, who didn't want to come on because he feels this is a waste of his time, not the show, but telling people they're a bunch of idiots. This time he felt was a waste of his time, and he's probably right. I'm wasting my breath, but I got to get this off my chest. Uh, Lolo, Billy Dixon, Effie, people who are really trying to make wrestling better, different, and for everybody, and not harbor <coughs> uh, terrible people. Right. <coughs> Um, but it occurred to me, mm-hmm. I, I snapped the other night. I'm, le- I'm legitimately snapped watching Twitter, watching people talk about Mayweather fight and buying the fight and putting money in this guy's pocket. Not that he needs it, but the principle of it, it bothered me because the very next day, a wrestler in the Northeast who's very good and will be very well known all over, but it kind of is now, but. That, that next hump is coming soon. Kennedy Copeland. Mm-hmm. Once called the, <laughs> was it the, 
the scourge of the Kenneth uh, Kenneth Copeland family. Not related at all. It's the joke, but um, tweeted about these people that were booked at a show this weekend, a pedophile, a sex abuser, just terrible people. And these same people who were praising Mayweather as a fighter and as a person on on what was it, Sunday, Saturday? I don't know. Don't give a shit anymore. Saturday. Were then replying to his tweet going, oh, I can't believe this was allowed to still happen. (laughs) You feckless fake motherfuckers. You're so full of shit. There's no real conviction. There's no real feeling. It's all about likes and attention. Really. Not about me. I don't care if I get a name on this. If I did, it wouldn't be on indie wrestling. If I wanted a name, wouldn't waste my time on independent wrestling. There's no name in it. There's there's nothing to be had. There's there's zero things to be had. Um, Everybody's full of shit. It just is. To the point where I'm going to do my own thing and not fight for your causes anymore. Fight for the cause I want to. I'll support who I want to. I don't want to be your friends. You know who you are. I saw you. I know who you are. Think about your response before you tag me on Twitter. Don't be the typical you. Because I'll, I've got, I'll get my ass kicked if you want to go physical with it. I don't care. Not about that. Have some principles. Have some convictions. You don't like terrible people in one place. Don't like terrible people in the other. Bringing that up, every woman Mayweather's been with, he's hit or abused. Yes. We allow it to happen. And we put money in that guy's pocket. And I'm not fake enough to not care about it. To not let it bother me a little bit. The same people watch that and then go to wrestling like, he should be working. Dude, you just bought a $50, $60 fight where he didn't knock the scrawny little white boy out, first of all. Yeah. And you put just for them to make money on the the second fight, I I snapped. I just popped. I was like, I got the four people I want to support in wrestling. Mm -hmm. I've mentioned three of them. That's it. I'm not sticking my neck out. For anybody who doesn't care anymore. I don't want to be part of your twit, Twitter beefs. I don't want to be part of your ats. Leave me alone. Leave me the outsider that everybody wants me to be. I like it over here. Okay? I do. I, snap. I, I don't care anymore. Yeah, well, you have plenty of support on your side, Dan. I know. I know. Yeah, I, I, I know, but... Yeah. I the, the fight was on Sunday, and uh, I didn't watch it. But one of my favorite things to do with spectacles. I had grass to grow to watch. <laughs> I've got paint to watch dry. <laughs> um, but uh, one of my favorite things to do when spectacles like this come about, and that's all it was. It was just a, it was a spectacle. Sure. I don't even why they call it a fight. But I was watching uh, everyone comment on it. And with, of course, because uh, you your tweets come up first on my page. I'm so, sorry. No, it's okay. Um, because that's usually when something, you know, that's when I know something's going on or, or what's, you know, what happened. And I knew you weren't watching the fight, but the, the amount of people that were surprisingly watching the fight, and that's the first time I saw you, you know, get upset, uh, because Mayweather is a, uh, it's a piece of shit, he's a domestic abuser and it's very documented. His children, one of his sons, uh, had a, 
talked about, gave his account of crying, watching his mother getting hit by uh, his father. And this was, this is, you know, straight up domestic abuse. And he's done that in every relationship he's been in. Um, but, and I'm calling out the hypocrisy. And yes, that's the, what the, I mean. Yes, yeah. hypocrisy yeah. perfect word. Yes. Uh, that the people that would, that, that want these self-same abusers or type of abusers gone in the wrestling business, but have no problem cheering on uh, or watching a ridiculously overpriced spectacle like a Floyd Mayweather fight. So I uh, just, uh, it just occurred to me, go ahead, Craig, finish your point. No, I, 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 I stand with you a hundred percent. The, the hypocrisy is, is staggering and it's uh, very troubling. Nobody wants actual change. People easily just forget about it. It's just, listen, people I like have been come out as terrible people. Yeah. There are people that have done terrible things that have redeemed themselves in the eye of the people that they have done wrong to. Mm-hmm. Cancel culture is not real. Stop it. But my God, it's so blatantly hypocr- hypocritically, painfully obvious that. It goes back to the other conversation we had with Veronica and Foxy Foxy and everybody else. Nobody actually cares. It was all about the moment. Retweets don't fix anything. Nobody actually really cares. There are people that do care. Right. And they're doing what they can. And I will continue to do what I can. But as far as that Twitter beef shit and going back and forth on Twitter, I'm not your puppet. I'm out. I'm actually going to do what I can to help people who actually want to do something. We're actually being hurt by these people. Right. I'm not. I'm not tagging Joe Blow in Virginia or fuckface <laughs> in Washington. I'm done with you. I don't want you. You don't want me. I don't want you. But do me a favor. Seriously. The next time you really feel the need to tweet about it because you're like, okay, blah, 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 blah. block the other person. Yeah. Stop supporting them. Put your money where your mouth is and actually help enact change because keeping the cycle going doesn't change anything. Hence, Grizzly Smith, yes. who was allowed to prey on young women and abuses children and hurtful, spiteful, disgusting, evil things within the business, within the knowledge of everybody in the business who knew it was a running joke that allowed it to happen. And I tweeted earlier. Grizzly Smith should have been a catalyst in enacting some change within the ranks of professional wrestling. And in 2021, we're still talking about a champion on TV who used to beat up his wife. That guy murdered his girlfriend. He's in the Hall of Fame. That dude ordered a hit. He beat his wife. He raped his mother. Yeah. But being allowed to do those things and, and still keep your... He had a, what, a 50-year career in wrestling? Yeah. Let's talk about this for a second. I watched it. Yeah, okay. One of the most depressing. And I was saying to... I, I said to Kelly, I'm very happy that for Jake uh-huh. that he is coherent and on earth. Because as far as I know, Jake had his demons. Jake didn't murder anybody. No. I don't think he sexually abused, physically abused anybody. He had an addiction issue that he got fixed. Mm-hmm. Well, let me preface. 
an addiction never goes away. No. You can keep an addiction at bay. You can control said addiction. You're, the, every day is a battle. Yes. You're all, once you're in that, you're always in that. Always. And, but, um, but Jake, to his credit, has been, has been sober for, for 10 years. <laughs> Block me then, Dan. Thank you, Jay. No, I know, Jay. I, I know you. Dude, we're on the same page. No, it's it blocked me then. Shit, that's funny. Uh, not worth raising your blood pressure. That's correct. No, just hearing the stories and knowing. Mm-hmm. First of all, I had no idea that Nicola, Nicola Roberts was related. I had no idea she was married to Sam Houston at one point. Well, see, the, the, the original thing, Dan, was when I found her real name with Nicola Roberts, because when she started in world class with Jake Roberts, and she was Gino Hernandez's. Um, Right, yeah, that she way. came out with uh, Gino yeah, you know, and uh, Chris yeah. Adams too at one point. Yeah, so I thought her Nick Nicola Roberts. I thought she was Jake's sister. Yeah, that's what Whoops. I thought because they're they're both the same height and they're you know and so I was Nicola Roberts, Jake Roberts, like okay, and they seemed very chummy. I had a, no idea that she was you know would go on to be married to Sam Houston, and with all three of the kids, you know Jake, Sam Houston, and and Rock and Robin. Uh, being uh related, and I found this out, you know, way late. How that they were all related, um, all brother and, and sister, but all three of them had their own addictions, and, and thankfully, all three of them didn't carry on the the uh, disgusting um, child endangerment uh, or the pedophilia. But coping with that, and especially if you've been, you know, abused. Uh, growing up, that that that's the pathway to addiction. Not for everyone, but the, the coping mechanism, and especially in that household, and if you're especially if you're going to be a professional wrestler, and almost you know almost the, the ones that we we applaud are the ones that don't become addicts, that don't become alcoholics, or don't become drug addicts, don't become you know pill poppers or, or what have you. So, it's uh. This was the darkest dark side of the ring episode there was because you realize that these three children that broke into professional wrestling and made their own way, made their own path, really started with like three strikes against them. You know, they really kind of had nowhere to go. You know, just that he was a he groomed all of his children, controlled everybody he had a relationship with, prayed and and was a. preyed on people around him male and female and i mean not physically mentally it's just a terrible person yeah, <laughs> manipulator but talk to anyone that worked in mid-south during those years including jim Cornette and a lot of the uh the guys nothing but great things about grizzly smith he i mean wonderful and, yes but I mean, John Wayne Gacy was a clown at kids' parties. Uh, yeah. One has nothing to do with the other. Ted Money was a law student. Yes, super nice guy. You know, give rise to the guys that you know to to the rookies. One starting out. Charles Manson was a songwriter. Yeah, I, you could bar- also audition for the Monkees. Yeah, um, sure. You want to be in the Beach Boys. <laughs> but Grizzly was a guy that you you could borrow a tent off him if you were short or if you needed gas money or something. You know, to a man. No one had anything bad to say about him. And like you said, Dan, it was like a, a, a joke. Um, Jim Cornette, I remember telling, telling a story when he first started in Mid-South and had to, you know, it, Grizzly was a matchmaker. He would go to Grizzly to get the, the matches to find out where the Midnight Express 
were appearing and who their opponents would be when they show up on TV. And, you know, they say, oh, well, Grizzly's probably giving a Bible lesson to one of the young girls out there. And that, and that was a joke. And Jim was like, oh, OK. And didn't think anything all, of it. All of that stuff would be forgivable if they didn't know. Yeah. And they do. And they did know. It's like you all kind of played a part in it. Like, it's the old rule. Craig, I don't have to tell you. If you're not, spe- if you're not saying something about it, you're complicit in that. And that right. goes from... Sex boosts all the way down to racism, right yeah. back up again. Um, it, uh, by the way, I just want to preface like, if you want to enjoy these people, my point was if you want to enjoy, don't turn around and act all shocked about somebody else when you know that other person is a piece of garbage. I just wanted to add that little asterisk in that that was my whole point at the beginning. Go ahead, Chris. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and with, with, with Cornette, he didn't know until after he had left, till way after he had gotten out of the business. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And, yeah. um, and for the ones that were just, it was just a running gag. Um, those are the ones that are being complicit. The ones that knew Grizzly yeah. really well and knew what he was doing. Yep. And even his his children, now even Baby Doll. If you saw the episode of Dark Side of the Ring when uh, what Grizzly was doing was giving her a ride, like he would do with a lot of the wrestlers, male or female. But they're on, they're driving to the next town, and then Grizzly picks up this twelve year old, stops at home of this twelve year old. And she gets in the car, and the mom and dad are waving goodbye, and Baby Doll's like, oh, oh okay, we're giving this 12-year-old girl a ride somewhere. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, she didn't even know what, you know, the uh, the whole deal was. And that whole family, you know, I you, you I feel incredibly bad for, for Sam Houston. Not that, you know, not everyone's cut out to be a main event star, and Sam Houston had a good career for what he was. It's a shame now. If Sam Houston weighed um what he does now, if he had weighed that back in the 80s, he might have had an even longer career because what what killed Sam Houston's career was that he was just painfully thin. The guy could work and he was a great underneath. Yeah, he guy. looks he looks like he could still go. Yeah. If he I yeah, he, And he and he, he looks younger too. <laughs> like yeah. it's really weird. I was like, wait. I'm looking at him and I know it's the Sam Houston, but I'm like yeah, if is if that he, wrong? Yeah, is if, that if, Sam? <laughs> if Sam had had the weight that he has now, if he had it back then, he he might have gotten a bigger push. But yeah. my yeah thing about Houston was he was just too painfully thin, and um, you really couldn't be taken seriously as a as a top guy. But he wasn't all there anyway. You could hear and even see by when he was talking. And I noticed that why they they never give Sam Houston interviews back then because he couldn't talk back then. Hey, you also have to imagine, though, like, oh, and to finish the thought about Jake, which goes uh-huh. into the comment I was going to make right now to follow up with you said anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Jake being able to be there to articulate all of this past the beyond the man- match shit uh-huh. uh, is good. I'm glad he's able to uh, verbalize this and Nicola and Robin and mm-hmm. and Sam. And the other brother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> The one that was like, the one that took one look at rest is like, Nope. No, yeah, the the smart one, the smart one, <laughs> but um, it just it's weird. I always had this perception after Beyond the Mat that Grizzly Smith was just a terrible person. Yeah, tip of the fucking iceberg. Yeah, I just thought he was a horrible dad. I oh just, my yeah. god, horrible person, horrible person. And then every now and then, you'll see the uh, 
you'll watch an old WCW show or something, you'll see his name pop up in the credits. Because yeah. really, those shows, the ones you see on the network are like the old VHS copies. Yeah. So they'll, they'll have credit a credit roll at the end. Yeah. And I'll see Grizzly Smith's name pop up. I'm like, this motherfucker is still working in the 80s and 90s. Go home, dude. Yeah. Go I mean, home, you sick fuck. Even got, you know, the connection got when Jake went to WWF, he got, I mean, all three of them were wrestling the WWF at the same time at, at one point with Jake and Sam and, and Rock and Robin. And for those of you who are listening who are not listening to this podcast or who either haven't seen Dark Side of the Ring or weren't aware who Grizzly Smith is, Grizzly Smith is the father of Jake and Snake Roberts of Sam Houston and of Rockin' Robin, who was a former WWF women's champion. Um, but they grew up in a, t- in a household of uh, sexual abuse. Uh, and if there was an internet back then, all this would have come out at some point. But oh, sure. Jake the Snake Roberts' mom was a 13-year-old girl that Grizzly Smith impregnated when Grizzly was dating her mom. Let me double down on this. He raped her. Yes. There wasn't a real, it wasn't like no. he was in a relationship and the age was the issue. It was he raped this this girl. Yeah. So Jake the Snake's Roberts, Jake the Snake, his mom was 13 years old when she had him. She was born out of love and I still love him. <laughs> yeah. So, um, break your leaves, bitch. Shut up. <laughs> It, it was a bit, it was very hard to to watch and and you know and we've talked about Jake even last week on last week's podcast we talked about Jake's uh, want for hyperbole and the way he tells a story and uh it was it was ironic even after um after the 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 a and e biography last week on uh uh Mick Foley or or my ultimate warrior they went to the the treasure hidden treasures uh show that comes on afterwards and they were looking for Jake Snake Roberts original snake bag that he had and whatever and in that episode Jake was going on and on about how Honky Tonk Man ruined his career it was Honky Tonk Man that got him on drugs because of the guitar shot he got from Honky Tonk Man that broke his neck and that's what got him on the pain pills uh, Jake by the time he got to the WWF had a way head start as far as the alcohol and the drugs Maybe in the WWF it was more plentiful to him because he was making a lot more money than he was in in the mid south. But he, uh, Jake, before he even got to the WWF, uh, before he even knew who the Honky Tonk Man was, before they had one match together, Jake, uh, Jake's descent into drugs was um, again way <laughs> way progressed. Ahead yeah, had, had progressed yeah. mightily. It's a nervous uh, titter. We're not laughing like hey, hey he was doing yeah. drugs. Um, yeah. No, and 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 this and like there was no obviously the, Jake's upbringing was was horrific. And if you watch the episode, you know yeah. how bad it yeah. was because he had a cruel, manipulative father, and you know that kind of thing. And and not saying there's any excuse for using drugs or becoming an addict, uh, but if you're choosing to self-medicate. And especially choosing the life of professional wrestling, in in a in a, I've heard there, it, Jake did it because he hated his dad. You know, I thought like many second generation wrestlers, they got into wrestling to get closer to their dad. 
because they didn't know their father. I was relieved to hear that his line of thinking was the same when he was still deep into the drug use. Right. Where I was going to, he never was like, good job, dude. Or, I'm very proud of you. And he goes, mm-hmm. he's like, you'll never be anything. You're going to be a failure all of life. And he was like, I'm going to be something and shove us right up his ass. Yeah. And he, you know, <laughs> I do remember the quote from, Beyond the Mat, which I, I gotta go back and watch it. That same because everything I remember from Beyond the Mat, he's deeper now that you know all yeah. this other stuff, right? About Grizzly, it's like mm-hmm. oh, another stab to the chest. Um, <laughs> where he where he said after that, he goes, and you know what, I did it, and you know what, it didn't matter anyway, right? You know, I, yeah, uh, it used to be, you know, because united states for the most part of the world but a lot, the united states has this very negative connotation of an addict uh-huh. and of mental health in general right and you know you, yeah you fucking crackhead you know oh, you used to buy you, you shooting heroin junk yeah you, you, you go live in a box there's no real from personal experience secondhand first even sometimes, even from afar, nine times out of ten, these are good people that have fallen. Yeah. Because of a chemical imbalance mm-hmm. that has made them this way. Like the perception when Beyond the Mat came out was like, oh, you loser, you're pissing in a bucket, you do a drag, let's smoke some crap. Now it's like a lot more people are like, especially after this, like, whew, yeah, I get that, man. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. You're you're reminding me, Dan, when you're talking about people say, "Oh, you're drug either." Uh, there, the show that comes on after Dark Side of the Ring now called Dark Side of Football, uh, which is not as good as because it's got two. The executive producers are different. It's not Evan. Hunt. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But it was amazing. In the they were talking about playing with pain, and football players back in the seventies, uh, when they would go to to the games, they'd see guys, uh, long hair, smoking pot. And they call them drug addicts. Oh, you hippie, you're drug addicts, and you know, smoking that pot and like that. You're, just, you're wasting your life with drugs. And then they would go to the locker room, and there would be a table with just pills lined up for the players to take for their pain. This one's for, you know, this one's for my knee, and this one's for, you know, to help me go to sleep. This one's to help me get up. And nothing but pills and alcohol in the but the but the the, the hippies smoking marijuana. They were the drug addicts. <laughs> And these, these Boy, have the t- might have the times have changed. <laughs> and these same football players took a pill every single day of their career, in the after their careers, and you know, it's probably not realistic. Pills. But I always, I always think of any given Sunday. Yeah, I think of Lawrence Taylor's character in that. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty goddamn accurate. <laughs> yeah, and it even echoed. Uh, I Undertaker had a similar uh, experience on the Joe Rogan show. He talked about when he went to get his neck fixed, and there was a break he didn't even know about. Yeah, yeah. one yeah. one false movie would have been crim- big six ten crippled some bitch. Exactly. If you really want to see random aside about football players and how it was in the uh, in the seventy, any given Sunday is a great football movie. But check out North Dallas Forty with Nick Nolte. Yes. And Mac Davis. That was like a lampoon look at football in the seventies. But that's a pretty much every football player that watched that show was like, "Man, you guys nailed it!" And when it came to alcohol, back then it was just alcohol and pills. It's like the opposite version of Spinal Tap when when some 
when you ask rock and roll like a musician yeah. hey what documentary is uh close what what movie or documentary is close to real life and nine times out of ten the, they'll go spinal tap spinal tap yeah spinal tap nails it I've been in that room where we can't, where we're arguing about the show getting canceled. I've been in that backstage where we can't find a fucking door to the stage. <laughs> I've been there where Stonehenge didn't work. Yes. Peter Gabriel. Um, I've been there when our drummer exploded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, but, um, and for radio, it's private parts, apparently, according yeah. to President Steve, that private yeah, parts pretty much both. nailed it, mm-hmm. which, you know, helped that. The guy who was in radio was involved with that movie. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, North South 40. Uh, I, there's, there's zero redeeming quality in that. I'm glad that Dark Side of the Ring got that story out. And the same way with the, the Ultimate Warrior one, which we touched upon. I don't want to beat the dead horse. No pun intended. I'd fuck that guy anyway. <laughs> um, don't really care who that makes upset. Yeah. Um, that they're just like, no, I mean, sure, he touched a lot of people, made a lot of people happy. And kind of a garbage person. Yeah, and uh, and if you saw, you know, some people that have nothing but good things to say about them were were fans when they were kids. Yeah, of course. When yeah, they were and they, they missed all that stuff. Yes. And if I was nine, I'd be a huge fan of Ultimate Word. But the thing is, I wasn't nine. I was in my twenties. I knew what a garbage wrestler he was. I was right at the right age for him, and I I I did not like Warrior. Yeah. I, Hogan and Warrior, people don't believe me. You're just saying that now. I'm like, dude, I hated Hogan. Oh, yeah. I hated Hogan like at nine, ten years old because he came into WCW and it was like, excuse me, Sting? Yeah. Everybody's like, Hogan. I'm like, fuck that guy. Just as a fan standpoint. And then later yeah. on, you're like, oh no, fuck that guy. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and Warrior the same. Warrior to me was just, and you know, years later you find out they started together, which ooh. Yeah. Well, the more footage I see of that, the more I'm like, you know, you don't have to man, you don't have to mention they were a tag team, <laughs> Sting and Warrior. We don't have to talk about the Blade Runners ever again. Um, but I was just at a very basic child level, childlike level. Sting was the original, Warrior was the knockoff that wrestled for six minutes, or it didn't even wrestle. The segment was six minutes, and he was gone. Give me Sting. Yeah. Well, see, and for me, uh, I was. When Hulkamania came, I was 17, and I already remembered seeing Hogan. I saw Hogan's last match in the Spectrum before he became Hogan. I saw Hogan's first match in the Spectrum when he came back as Hulkamania Hogan. So I think I know this. He's not, you know, doing anything for me. I mean, if I was 10, it'd be huge, but I'm not 10. I'm 17. So as much as I love all, I the Tiger, and I was there, and I was like, for the spectacle, I'm not going to pay to watch Hogan wrestle. I'm going to to watch the crowd and same thing with with warrior it's the the opening music and the the him running to the ring that's the spectacle that gets everyone everything after that is downhill you know same thing with the with the undertaker the big thing is the entrance after that i i, I can you know go to the bathroom but i, I, I digress with the Undertaker. but um with warrior you, you you could see that you know that i knew he couldn't wrestle i knew he couldn't do anything and he could only do five minute matches or if he was on the house shows, I guess someone like Honky Talk Man, someone actually could work. You get more than the 30 second squash at, yeah. at SummerSlam, but you got five, you know, six minutes at best. But I know he, the, the guy couldn't go. I'm not paying to see him wrestle because I know he can't do it. Uh, just a shout out to Darren. He goes, I'm with you. I hated Hogan and Warrior. I'm an 80s guy and I was always a Piper guy. Yeah. 
I'm an 80s guy. I'm a Steamboat guy. I'm a Hennig guy. I'm, I was even a Bret Hart guy because when you when the my favorite thing about those 80s or watching going to the Spectrum to watch wrestling back when it came every month or every three months, I talked to other wrestling fans. And when Hogan was the champion and he'd wrestle third or fourth because he had another, you know, flight to, to make the next town, uh, I'd asked him. You know, and I, I even said this on the wrestling radio with Joe Goodhart when he had the wrestling radio show. Joe, shout out to Joe Goodhart. Shout out to Joe Goodhart. I have nothing nice to say about the other guys over there, but there is not yeah. a mean word I could ever say about Joe Goodhart. But me neither. He brought he brought so much great wrestling to Philly. One that of the I'd never funnest, seen. one of the funnest guys I've ever met. By the way, I just yeah. want to put that over. I don't brag about it a lot. I am so proud to have been in the same room. And had conversations with and done interviews with and work even within an ass hairs of of Joel Goodhart. I love that dude. Me too. Sorry. What, but that's okay. But what I when I would get on the air and talk about in you know, on wrestling radio and we talk about the top guys and you know, Hogan would be the top guy and his view would be it. But who's the best wrestler in the company? And to a man, everyone said Bret Hart. And this is when he was in the Hart Foundation. Uh and wrestling, you know, wow. third or fourth. Back then? Every, you knew he was the best one there. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, oh, you, oh, you're saying you're doing the wrestling fans that were like, fuck Hogan, yeah, that guy. Exactly. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. And when wrestling, yeah, to actual wrestling fans, guys that watch the, the guys in the ring, everyone to a man said Bret Hart was the best wrestler in the company. They'd be right. That, yeah. And yeah, man, we, this is when he was in the Hart Foundation, when he wasn't anywhere near being a singles competitor, but you just knew, you know, the guy. So watching guys like Hogan and Warrior. And, you know, the, the bigger guys and stud, they want to feed Hogan giant after giant stud, one man gang, Killer Khan, Kamala. Uh, nothing against those guys, but if you want to watch wrestling, you'd watch Brett versus Tito in the opening match. And that would be the best match on the card. And everything else was just filler. I said, did you, but did you guys see Brett and what Tito did? Or did you see a, a singles match between uh, Steamboat and, um, and Kurt Henning? No, okay. Well, that was that was the two best wrestlers you got there, or or, or Savage and DiBiase. Those are what what got me. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, uh, Darren said. Plus, Piper was from uh, Saskatoon. Well, yeah, Piper was larger than life and better than any of those guys. Exactly, hands down. Yes, and I knew about Piper in 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 movie before like i didn't make the court connection till later I'm like, oh that's the guy from the alien that yeah. they live eh, that guy? yeah that guy see, see for me it was always hard watching nwa guys in the wwf or watching mid-south guys in the wwf yeah just so people think that this wwe ruined wcw wrestler thing is only 20 years old it's been like that for 40 years anybody that came over from crockett or nwa were just like what are you doing what yeah. Very a few, a few made, but Taker is an exception to the rule. Yeah, Taker was one of the out of you know. I saw Mean Mark Callis. I had no idea that this would be the 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 top drawing guy in the in the WWF for the next 10, 15 D years. Dusty Rhodes, in spite of yes, is an except. That is the like the number one exception to the rule because mm -hmm. Vince purposely made him what he was to be like. You're less than. You're not us. You're, you're here now, but you're less than. And did it better than everybody else. I said that that SummerSlam, that last appearance of him, 
Mm-hmm. In WWF, he was still cutting promos better than anybody in the goddamn business. It, uh, I just remember because it was like that Sapphire Million Dollar Man thing. Yeah. And it, it was dusty, so I was still enjoying watching it back. But I'm like, eh, you know, it's kind of stupid looking back. Then he cuts that promo. Yeah. I'm like, I need I need somebody to smack me in the face. I want to run through a wall right now. <laughs> let's go. Who needs to who needs an ass kicking? <laughs> dusty said, let's do it. <laughs> That's a great promo. But yes, um, uh, no, not very old, <laughs> 2018 ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'd like to actually see that because uh, uh, Joel Goodhart had many questions. That dude, yeah, try there was the, there was that weird gap of the Civic Center not having WCW shows anymore. Yeah, and Tri-State TWA was get, would have Ric Flair mm-hmm. show up and fill that building. You have Jerry Lawler and Austin Idol. And the when they on when they did the cactuses, cactuses um A and E biography, they showed the uh, match between uh, Cactus and uh, Eddie Gilbert. That was a Joe Goodhart show. Yeah, there's a great DVD I have of um some Civic Center stuff. Yeah. Um, even though it's not pro shot, and I'm kind of a stickler for pro shot. Like if I get a bootleg for like Genesis, I need a soundboard. I don't want to see or hear. A dude holding a mic for the tape recorder. I don't, I can't get, I, those don't please me. But wrestling matches, all right. Yeah. There's those Saturday Nitros that happened in LA in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. They exist on YouTube. And it's just a guy filming with a camcorder. Okay. But I hadn't seen any of it before. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch this cage match. Sure, <laughs> whatever. And last thing about Joe Goodhart, I filled out a waiver uh, to uh, here, like all the most of the audience did, yeah. to participate yep. in the audience uh, participation lumberjack match. I mean, Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk and the audience members of you, they called your name, you would be a lumberjack. So if one of them came out of the ring, you were in charge of putting them back. And of course, Terry Funk would, you know, it was a master of falling out of the ring that looks like he killed himself, but he's so damn good. That he'll fall out. So when the wrestler, when the fans go to pick him up, he would do his Terry Funk thing and throwing his arms around, and he grabbed an audience member by the head and by the hair and just held his arm back the whole time, thinking, of course, everyone's going crazy. No, 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 no. But that's the 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 artistry, the master of Terry Funk, because every time he went outside the ring, he grabbed some other fan. And it looked like he was going to punch him right in the mouth. And he never did or Lawler got there first or anything, but just the idea. And it's like, man, if I, if my name was called, I really, I probably would have ran. I, I, it was like the roller coaster thing. It's like, man, I want to go on this one. It looks high and scary. But as soon as you get on it, like, this is such a huge mistake. Uh, good timing with this comment. Um, uh, I saw this last night. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but we have a retirement to announce. We do. Oh, yes, we do. Yes. Um, oh, this one sucks. Mm-hmm. And I know there are people on Twitter that are like, fuck that guy. I'm like, you're stupid. Stop it. <laughs> Leo Rush is done. Yeah. After one match in AEW. I mean, he knew it was over. He he had problems. He actually has one more appearance with New Japan that he has to fulfill okay. after his surgery. But yeah, Leo Rush, who was the first saving of Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and if and, and this is where the social media thing comes in, because um, and thank you, Danny, for the reminder. This is where the social media and wrestling thing comes back in, because at the same time, people are like, I hate Leo Rush. He's annoying. Get him off my TV. That was the point yeah. of Leo Rush being the way he was with Bobby Lashley, to the point where I still hear Lashley, Lashley, come on. <laughs> I still hear I still hear his laugh. I still hear his voice when he comes out. That was the first re, uh, uh, reckoning of um, Bobby Lashley and, of course, MVP in the Hurt Business, which the WWE was like, first chance they had, they were like, you're done. Can't have black people having any fun. That really re still bugs me about Leo Rush, who was a former cruiserweight champion, a great worker. Leo Rush. Amazing worker. worker. And that's why I was so disappointed, Dan, because Leo Rush with Bobby Lashley and all due respect to him, what MVP has done, and sure. obviously the WWE, he's always he's always been in good terms with them. They were looking for a way to bring him back. They brought him back, and he's in the best possible position. Yeah. But with Leo Rush, with Bobby Lashley, Leo Rush could have been the greatest manager, almost like on a Cornette Heenan level, yeah. because the guy got so much heat. <laughs> people hated him. And he was small. He's my height, and he's shorter than me. This is a might even be my height. Running his mouth, getting involved in the match. So get that heat, especially on house shows. So when it came time for the, the baby face to get their hands on him, the guy can work. Yeah, the that's the other thing people forgot. Yes. Imagine the time Bobby's going to finally snap and kill this man, what that'll do for Bobby. But no, we couldn't have nice things because you thought he was annoying. You keep him with Bobby. Don't have Bobby say a word. Have Leo do all of his interviews, interfere in matches, get him disqualified, or whatever. But give the bring up that old school heat. Leo Rush had all of that. He's not obviously no one's ever going to be a heat, and obviously never is going to be a cornet. But you get a guy that can talk and is as annoying as cornet. But can work on a level that Hina never could with the backflips, with the athleticism. He can work on a level that most people can anyway. Exactly. Unbelievable opportunity they fucked up there. That's what. And so whenever I hear Leo Rush, I just think about what could have been. And maybe because he, he not only was he annoying in front of the camera, he was just as annoying off camera, which is really a shame. Because had he been able to keep his mouth shut or not been feel like he's owed a certain amount of prestige or attention due to his uh, his status with the company, or he's got a or as Han would say, delusions of grandeur, um, he would uh, he could have made had a longer career in the <laughs> WWE. See, a big mouth is not re speaking for people with big mouths. Uh, it's not. I don't think it's ever reason enough to be like, you know what. Cut him off. I mean, we have Riker still working there. Yeah. Yeah. Less, less, the less said about that dude, the better. <laughs> Glad he got a haircut, though. Everything's fine. Good luck pushing him as a baby face, Vince. More power to you. Sir. Nobody wants that, stupid. No. <laughs> and you can follow me on that self-same no computer interruption on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagan, C-R-A-I-G. L I G G E O N S. I was like, all right, well, you can follow me at Dan Lloyd, all social media platforms. Uh, the HIC Talk Radio Network. Go to your podcast app on your phone, 
or whatever podcast app you use your computer, type in HISC Talk Radio Network. Look for the big brand spanking new black and red logo. Uh, all our old episodes are still over at the DOC Nation Radio Network for Craig Legans. I am Dan, Club Average Comedian. See you next time. Mm-hmm.